Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant and we welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers. The new year presents new opportunities as we all take stock of where things stand. A little later, changes in the workplace. Human resources expert Brian Simmons will be joining us. We'll talk challenges and team building. But first, the Kentucky General Assembly begins its 2019 regular session Tuesday at high noon. Some familiar issues are hanging around waiting for lawmakers when they get to Frankfurt. A failed two-day special session on pension reform came after the state Supreme Court struck down a pension bill that was passed last spring. So that issue is back. Lawmakers are also under some pressure to take another look at the sales tax extension that dragged nonprofits in for the extra levy. Charter school funding, some other issues are bumbling and, and bubbling out there. And Senate Majority Leader Damon Thayer is good enough to join us this morning and give us a preview. We appreciate you coming. Good morning. Thanks for having me. I do want to give condolence to you in the passing of your father, which unfortunately came just as that uh, special session uh, was being called in December. You Thank know, you, Bill. Yeah. It was a sad holiday season for my family, but I do appreciate all the support from my Kentucky family and friends here. It's uh, time to move on. Right. Let's talk about uh, that session, which you think was a mistake for the governor to have called, uh, with the special session that went nowhere in two days. I do, and I, I want to start by saying that Matt Bevan is a great governor. He's been an answer to my prayers in terms of enacting policy and putting Kentucky uh, on a positive trajectory for the future. But uh, House and Senate leadership tried for two weeks to convince him not to call that special session. Right up until the minute it was called, uh, we, were, we were trying to persuade him not to call it. Uh, we, we are committed to dealing with pensions uh, in the upcoming regular session. And I wish he wouldn't have called it. Uh, he did, and you know now that's part of history, and it's, again, time to move on. Your concerns, though, were what ultimately happened, that it would, a bill couldn't be passed. Yeah, I think it was difficult to call legislators in right before Christmas like that without having built a consensus on, on what we should do. Had the bill been the identical bill in substance to the original Senate Bill 151, it might have passed uh, the House, and, and, and I think we have the votes in the, in the Senate to pass it. But the bill was changed and, you know, trying to get consensus on something controversial like that uh, when there are changes just proved to be a bridge too far. The governor says this absolutely has to come back as an issue in this session that is coming up. But after the drama and the protests of last year and the, uh, the flash of uh, trouble that we saw in that, uh, that quick session uh, last month, will lawmakers be willing to take up uh, the pension reform again? Well, the governor's right. We do have to deal with this issue. And unfortunately, the Supreme Court overturned a good bill that would help us begin digging out of the hole and stopping the bleeding. The Supreme Court was wrong in its decision, but unfortunately they are the Supreme Court. We're going to have to deal with that. So I, I hope that legislators uh, are willing to deal with it. I think the lesson that Republicans can take from the elections in November is you can take a tough vote on a controversial issue uh, and, and get reelected. As a matter of fact, get rewarded for it. I mean, Republicans held on to our supermajority in the House and we actually gained a seat in the Senate. I mean, there, there are no Democrats left in the Senate west of, of I-65 now. So I think, uh, I think that my message to my fellow Republicans is be courageous, be bold, 
and you will be rewarded by the taxpayers of this state who understand that we are in a crisis situation when it comes to our public employee pensions. Uh, so, but what kind of bill can pass given the, the, the public pressure that is out there? You know the teachers and state employees will be back and demonstrate in the way that they did. Uh, there is the, the legal jungle that is out there that you know uh, could be pounced on and challenged uh, if something uh, does go through. Well, the, the, the Senate Bill 151, first of all, was overturned on a procedural uh, matter that is used by every legislature in the country and has been used uh, in Kentucky for decades. It was not overturned based on its substance. So I think that's kind of a specious argument that the bill could be overturned on substance. I would hope, Bill, that we would at the very least pass the substance of Senate Bill 151 again this session. And I frankly favor going a few steps further and including some of the elements of the original Senate Bill 1 from last year in a new bill. But at the very least, we ought to be able to put new teachers, future teachers, in a hybrid cash balance plan uh, and, and some of the other components like level dollar funding that were in Senate Bill 151 need to be considered and need to be passed. I think one of the challenges for the public out there is uh, to, uh, to try to make some sense of two narratives that are out there. Governor Bevan and many Republicans, including yourself, call this a crisis, point to how it's affecting the state's credit rating, uh, say that Kentucky is essentially broke. Uh, Democrats, including uh, House Minority Leader Rocky Adkins, a former Governor Steve Beshear, say that the reforms that were passed in 2013 will take care of this uh, in the long term if the legislature will meet its obligations. Uh, <laughs> well, a, a, as the sponsor of the 2013 reforms, they dealt primarily with the KRS systems, the state employee system. When we're talking pension reform today, while there still are some tweaks that need to be made to KRS, we're primarily talking about teacher pensions. So I would remind former Governor Bashir and Minority Leader Adkins that Senate Bill 2 in 2013 had nothing to do with teacher retirement reforms. So just a little revisionist history on their part. Does the pension system need a dedicated stream of revenue? That is another argument you hear from the, from the Democratic side in that they're saying, well, if we had money that was dedicated to that and we were not trying to uh, uh, go through the budget process and, and find the money and cut other things, this would be much simpler. Well, e either way, you're going to have to either find new revenue or, or, or cut spending somewhere else in order to find the money. Uh, no, I don't favor a dedicated stream of revenue because then you saddle future legislatures and there's a reason that our General Assembly was set up by the Founding Fathers the way it did and I don't think it's fair to, uh, to, to saddle a future General Assembly elected by the people with a dedicated stream of revenue. I think it should be up to them to make the tough political decisions to make sure that pensions are fully funded, which by the way, we have done since Matt Bevan was sworn in as governor three years ago. We have either funded at the legal required limit or in the case of the teacher's retirement last year, we overfunded. We put more money in than is required. But that's only part of the solution, Bill. We have to have structural reforms going forward in order to put us on a positive trajectory towards fiscal solvency. It takes both structural reforms and more funding to go into the pensions in order to save the system. You've made the point already a couple of times here that you said you uh, want to move forward, but if you look back at how we got here uh, in this situation, and, and, there's, and that obviously comes to be part of the, uh, the discussion as well, uh, what was it that caused uh, ultimately this, uh, this pension situation we're in? 
there, there are about a half a dozen different reasons identified by various actuaries. Uh, underfunding is less than 20% of the problem, but there is no doubt that during uh, his eight-year administration, Governor Steve Beshear undersold to the legislature the amount of money that needed to be put into the pensions. And during his tenure as governor, the uh, underfunding of the pensions ballooned. So that's part of the problem. But other things like uh, put, putting in new benefits that were never funded, uh, putting uh, uh, money into uh, bad investments that were uh, decisions made by the KRS board, uh, stock market crashes, uh, the, all of those things led to the, the situation and, and that, that we're in. And also, people are living longer, Bill. When these pension systems were designed, people didn't have as long a life expectancy. Now we have public employee retirees who were living longer and receiving pension benefits for longer than they worked and contributed to the system. So all of these five, six different reasons have led to the $35 billion plus underfunding of our various public employee pension systems. To get revenue, Governor Bevan now indicates he's at least willing to uh, listen to a debate about alternative sources of revenue, he says, after the pension uh, bill, uh, and I guess he means after it's passed and signed, but uh, that, that he would apparently be open to at least a discussion on things like marijuana or casino legalization. Uh, do you think he's serious about listening? listening to that debate? I, I don't know. That's something that the governor can speak to, but I'm not for marijuana legalization, and I don't think, uh, f first of all, I'm not, I'm not for recreational marijuana, and it's not going to pass. Second of all, medicinal marijuana, I'm a qualified no on that. If there were scientific studies uh, that proved that it could, uh, it could remedy the, the ailments that the, the proponents discuss, I would consider it, but right now I'm a qualified no, but how do you make money on that? We don't tax pharmaceuticals in Kentucky. So on one hand, advocates are saying pass medicinal marijuana because it will help people. But secondly, they're saying, oh, it can help solve our pension problems. Well, we don't tax pharmaceuticals. So you'd, you'd have to have a, a major straying from current philosophy in order to do that. And look, uh, casino gambling, that's a dead issue. It's not going to pass. Uh, I tried it in 2013. I carried uh, 2012. I carried Governor Steve Bashir's bill. I'm the only senator ever to get a casino gambling bill to the floor of the Senate for a vote. It failed. I'm not willing to tackle it again. And frankly, I, I don't think we can gamble our way to prosperity anyway. So, Senator, to get the extra revenue for pensions, it uh, softened at least some of the cuts from state government uh, last year. Lawmakers extended the sales tax to some services. And then it ended up going on uh, some, uh, some charities. It ended up going on uh, tickets to uh, some events that... Uh, you've heard a lot about, I know, from, uh, from the public. Uh, will that be addressed uh, by the legislature? First of all, I want to also point out that we cut the personal income tax rate from 6 to 5 percent. We're moving away from taxing production and income to taxing consumption. That's what states like Indiana, Tennessee, Texas, and Florida are doing, and that's where all the jobs are being created. So uh, we took the first step on tax reform, and I think it was a good first step. Secondly, on the nonprofit charitable taxes, that wasn't something that the legislature did. That is the result of, of another poor Supreme Court decision. We're going to have to fix it this session, and I suspect that we will. Speaker David Osborne has a bill on that. We're uh, meeting on the details, and, and that'll be one of the priorities is, is cleaning up that little mess created by our friends on the Supreme Court. Of course, if it's fixed, you'll lose that revenue as well, right? That's uh, correct. Yeah. So uh, will that have to be balanced on, on the other end in some way? be pretty tough to do that because it would require a, a, a supermajority during this uh, a short session. 
so that'll, that'll probably be something we'll have to address next year when we do the budget. Kentucky's passed charter school legislation that sets up a framework for them to operate, but there is no public money to operate them. Uh, do you see the legislature tackling that? I would like to uh, put money in the budget for charter schools funding, but I don't predict that we will open up the budget. Uh, we would have to open up the budget again, require a three-fifths supermajority to do that. Uh, that that's uh, ingrained in our Constitution during this off-year session. If we do open up the budget, I do favor uh, doing some charter school funding, uh, but I don't see that happening until 2020. A piece of legislation that you are championing is a school safety bill uh, that would come through. Again, it's yet to be determined if you'll get into the budget and get money to, uh, to, to fund some of what is being recommended, but what would that bill do? Well, we convened a bipartisan traveling working group led by Senator Max Wise and Representative Bam Carney, both from Taylor County. And it traveled around the state, gathered opinion on school safety, and we're going to be looking at the recommendations of that working group uh, and, and incorporate them into Senate Bill 1, which will be the school safety bill. And that'll be one of the Senate and House's priorities this session. And we're going to look at uh, things like uh, training for school resource officers, uh, mental health counseling, hardening the targets, you know, making our schools more difficult to access for potential shooters. Of course, we're a year now from uh, the tragic shooting in Marshall County, uh, and these recommendations are a result of us uh, uh, convening that after that, uh, that tragedy. Senator, this sounds like a, a statewide version of the local efforts of the Superintendent Manny Calk in Fayette County, uh, where he uh, raised a, a property tax here and has uh, over $13 million to apply to school safety. Uh, and, and, and you think that school, uh, that tax went through too easily, by the well, way, you've I said. Think, I think it's too easy for school boards to raise taxes. I think it's too easy for other unelected special districts like library boards to raise taxes. That's something that I've championed for many years. I'm working with Senator Ralph Alvarado and Representative Stan Lee uh, on that. Uh, you know, that, that was a big tax increase on, on the folks of Fayette County, but it's really a statewide issue when you consider uh, how easy it is for school boards to raise taxes on on property owners throughout the state. So I, I live in Scott County, so I'm very well aware of, of large tax increases put forth by the school board. So we're, we're working on the substance of the bill and, and, and looking at the costs, uh, but there is no doubt that the people of Kentucky want us to do something on school safety, and I think we will probably have a, a bill that will pass with bipartisan support uh, by the time we adjourn at the end of March. You predict a productive session? I do, but I think it'll be more like the original intent of these short sessions. We deal with a couple of big bills uh, and a handful of smaller issues that are important to people. Uh, and so I, I don't want to raise expectations. I, I hope we do something on pensions, school safety, do some tweaks on tax reform. And th those are really the big issues that I see us tackling this session. I think we need to be careful in getting into too many things during a short session. Senator Thayer, thanks for coming. Really Always good to be here, Bill. Much. Thank you. Coming back in just a moment, human resources expert Brian Simmons will join us. We'll talk about uh, where you work and uh, what you plan to do as far as teamwork in the year ahead. We're back with that in a moment. 
Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers. A new year is a fresh chance to take a look at our priorities and how we spend our time and energy in the workplace. There are some tough realities and challenges out there. The addiction crisis keeps hitting the workplace hard. All forms of harassment have become epidemic with social media, the political climate, other trends may be getting some of the blame. There is likely to be more automation in workplaces in the future. Brian Simmons is a longtime human resources expert and lively public speaker based here in Kentucky. And he's been talking also lately about putting super in supervisors. So a lot to discuss and we thank you for coming, Brian. Yeah, oh, thanks for having me. Ha Happy New again. Year to you. Oh, same to you. <laughs> Good days all year long. There you go. So it's a fresh start, but some realities are still there, no doubt about it. Uh, yeah. uh, the addiction crisis. You say that we may only be uh, partially into the impact that we're going to see from this. Most definitely. We're only partially into it because when you look at the addiction awareness, first of all, has only hit. And it's in all forms, not just the opioid addiction, but there are several addictions in the workplace that cause the type of behaviors that are not appropriate for the workplace. So we're just becoming aware of these things. Now it has to play itself out. We're going to see the consequences and the ramifications, the, the medical costs associated with it, the loss in productivity. Uh, we've already seen the employment pool and the talent pool that's available already diminish and decrease because of that, as well as the attitude of the employers in feeling that they can't find anyone out there that can even pass a drug test. And you said that that has uh, impact that uh, we may not have thought about. We may not have thought about that because when you start looking and, and going behind that, you take that person out of the workplace, now the employer uh, has no confidence that they can find somebody talented so they do what they can and what they have, thus burdening other employees with double the work oftentimes of people that they need but just can't find. And then the other employees become stressed out, disengaged, profitability suffers, productivity suffers. It just becomes a domino effect. I know you tell employers they have to be part of the solution. Yes, they have to be part of the solution and focus on uh, the recognition and most of all the development. Uh, first, you ha I call it a seven-step process. You have to identify those behaviors that are needed in your organizations and, and then you have to engage people long before you onboard them. You have to engage people into the company to know you have the type of culture uh, that really can help people to be developed and grow into their roles and, and uh, be helped along the way to deal with these type of social stressors that are coming into the workplace as well. I was looking at uh, some of your material and you talk about putting super in supervisors. What do you mean by that? Well, when you look at the word supervisor, I actually created and designed a, a course that several companies have gone through and it focuses on the supervisor behaviors. Super is a compound word, supervisor. So, you know, super is what? It's great. It's wonderful. It, it's a, a, above average, better than normal. And then a visor, they always joke and say, well, it's just a hat, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a covering. So you're a covering for your employees, that, that covering for your company and your organization. So as a supervisor, you're supposed to be this great, wonderful, superior covering for your employees and your company. Because if you're not super, then you're just somebody covering a shift, I always say. So that needs to be taught. So what is being super? The behaviors of a role model supervisor and leader. How do they get uh, it, it, them and how do workers get, how does everybody get rowing in the same direction within an organization? Well, it, it comes from the top of the organization and then from all sides. Uh, we often look at the role models within the organization. 
organization. So who are most visible in the organization? And that's why I encourage organizations to have culture champions. What are the standards of behavior for your organization that presents the positive image that you want? that generates the type of morale and culture that you want to have of respect, of, of trust among the supervisors, of the supervisors leading and fully developing people and looking out for the good that people do, not just for the bad. You have said that another workplace issue that is still flashing very brightly out there is harassment at all levels. And uh, uh, what is creating the environment for that? Is it that people are more aware of what has always gone on? Or, uh, you know, I know you, you hear from time to time uh, people are more likely to, uh, to be offended by uh, things that happen. Yeah, what has happened, we have a culmination of several things that have taken place. You have the awareness, uh, the Me Too movement, which when that happened, I originally said, and it has panned out, that we are just at the tip of this thing. Because what has happened post from that comes the, the cases that we've seen played out in legislation and what some people feel may have been either legal inaction or action taken one way or the other. And, and again, it becomes divisive. Uh, so now you're dealing with issues of division in those things. Uh, you look at uh, those type of cases that are happening as well as the other just one-on-one -on -one issues with imperfect people in the workplace. We're not being tolerant of the inappropriate behaviors that used to be accepted. See, that's the thing. There were inappropriate behaviors in the workplace that used to be accepted and we're no longer accepting those things. Not only are we not accepting them, we're putting them on social media, we're talking about them, uh, we're bringing them out, but then there's the uh, portion where some people are still fearful because they don't believe that their concerns will be addressed or they feel that they'll be retaliated against. So when you look at uh, the statistics from the uh, Equal Employment Opportunity Commission that enforced the laws on harassment and discrimination, the retaliation charge is the one that has increased the most uh, because people feel fearful to report these things. How are you telling companies to deal with that? Uh, through definite training and radical transparency. Radical transparency is giving constant feedback in a factual manner on the type of behaviors that are appropriate in the workplace, but in a respectful manner. Uh, we oftentimes look at the fact that we have disciplinary procedures in our workplace, uh, progressive discipline, but nobody has progressive recognition. We spend 97% of our time and resources focused on the 3% of the people that don't need to be in our organizations, uh, yet we miss all of those wonderful people that are engaged and are just waiting for us to recognize them, develop them professionally, and partner with them for the success of the organization. Brian Simmons is a human resources expert based here in Kentucky. We have more questions for him in a moment. How do companies hold on to those good employees? That's a, a key question I know many are facing out there. We're back on Kentucky Newsmakers in a moment. Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers from WKYT. We're visiting with Brian Simmons, a longtime human resources expert and team builder uh, here in Kentucky. Uh, you go in, you do a lot of speaking to, uh, to groups, to, to employees and employers. Employees, right? employers, uh, conferences, uh, and, and we're speaking nationally now. So, and uh, received my first international client too. 
So a lot of leadership yeah. development training. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, you have also said that distractions in the workplace uh, can come from within, but they certainly can be external too. Things people are reading about and seeing, uh, the trends that may be emerging that concern them. That, that's it. And that's really what has flooded the workplace so much now because that information is so readily available. Uh, we have our smartphones and, and smart devices with us 95% of the time, and the other 5% we're stressed out because we can't find it. Uh, <laughs> so those things are constantly feeding through the algorithms on social media, constantly notifying us of information that, that we're being bombarded with, and this affects us because it's bringing in these, these social stressors into the workplace. What do you do to try to uh, uh, at least alleviate that? Well, that's where we go into focusing on the positive things that people are doing, the positive uh, recognition uh, items that we need to put into the workplace, as well as the standards of behavior of the type of culture that we're trying to build. And when we say standards of behavior, literally meaning what are those behaviors of a positive workplace? What are those behaviors of a role model supervisor? And, and behaviors down to they smile. Uh, they speak in a pleasant tone of voice. Uh, how do they show respect? What does respect look like? What does honesty look like? What does legendary leadership look like? And then teaching those behaviors and de developing those type of skills. Brian, on the horizon, a lot more automation. And that's uh, an area that some uh, employees are concerned about, to potentially uh, uh, you know, taking over their job and that sort of thing. Uh, mm -hmm. You have uh, sort of seen the future. I, I, I <laughs> Have, because I you have. keep an eye on this, yes. uh, what should people be thinking about? How do you prepare for that? Well, you prepare for it by honing your skills in line with the developing and the emerging technologies. Uh, there's emerging technology coming out that will impact training and development to the, the point of augmenting reality to create training environments without having to go into the physical environment. And those are the type of things that will, will have to be embraced. Now, it will require investment. So there are investment dollars that need to be put into uh, the emerging technology within the companies, uh, the uh, human resource databases and information systems, the human capital management systems that need to be in place really help to make things more efficient, uh, more secure even, uh, but to resist it will be futile as they say. This is coming and uh, HoloLens units where holographic images being projected into reality is all a reality now. Great companies obviously want to retain their good employees. Uh, what should they do to, uh, to continue to strengthen and build their team? Less than a minute now. Less than a minute we talk positive impact. The, the companies themselves have to have a positive image. What do people see of the company? Are they staying compliant? Are they generating uh, the, the M and impact, the type of morale and culture that people want to be there? Are they productive? Are they a winning company? Uh, are, are, are they managing their, their finances and, and being fiduciary responsible. Uh, the attitude, is it positive or negative? Uh, knowing that it can only be one or the other. If you're in the middle, then you're negative. You know, and it's just negative. It's positive or negative. And then the communication. Has to be effective communication to organization uh, and, and teamwork. Brian Simmons, thanks for coming, as always. All Appreciate right, thank you for right. having me. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Kentucky Newsmakers. We'll see you bright and early this week on the morning news, and you make it a good week ahead.